Hello, and welcome to the official podcast of Palette Exposure, featuring Alona Thompson, a podcast for those seeking the ultimate in wine, food, and travel. Each week, she interviews winemakers, chefs, celebrities, and guests that shape the way we enjoy life. I have a very, very special guest today. Um, a lot of us feel very reverent towards him, and certainly many people have a ton of gratitude for what he's accomplished. I'm here today with Fred Dame, Master Sommelier, Global Wine Ambassador for Dow Family Vineyards, and many other things that we'll discuss at length. Welcome. Thank you. Um, it's good to see you. We're of course Always nice to see you as well. Thank you. We're of course recording during COVID, which is still an interesting time. I've been saying this for the last six months and we're still in it. So um, interesting historically. Um, but I think what it allowed us to, um, I guess it, if there's a silver lining, it allowed us to connect to people um, that otherwise would be so busy. So I'm so thankful to have this time with you. Um, as always, yeah. I'd like to start with some background. Um, a lot of people, of course, know you for your accomplishments, but I think not as many of us are aware that you are a generational Californian. You were um, born in Monterey, is that correct? Uh, actually, I was born in uh, Fresno, California. Fresno. Of, of all glorious places. Um, but I moved to a Pacific Grove when I was four, and that's where I grew up. So I that's that's my hometown. What a beautiful town. That's one of the first things I discovered when I moved to California. I absolutely fell madly in love with it. Yes, it was uh, very interesting uh, when I went, I know, don't, I guess I didn't realize how much I really appreciated it until I went back east to school. Yeah. And uh, I drove across the country, something you should do when you're 18. Ah. And uh, I just bought a, a brand new uh, Boss 351 Mach 1 Mustang. So uh, <laughs> I just come back from Europe with my cousin. And uh, so I drove across the country in three days. And you know, it was a real eye opener to see what the rest of the United States really looked like, because I never really left California up, up until then. Well, I take that back. I went to Wyoming to stay with my grandfather. My cousin and I did one summer. Um, and uh, you know, I drove into Lexington, Virginia. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> where's <Yeah>. beach? <laughs> yeah. And uh, it, it was. It, it gave me a great appreciation for California. My, my family did come here in 1848. Um, we came on a clipper ship from Massachusetts. Um, wow. We go back a long way, fought in the Revolutionary War uh, on my mother's side. Um, and uh, I have the original tickets from the clipper ship. And uh, they established themselves here in California. And um, we've been here ever since. Is your family history recorded anywhere? It's quite fascinating. Yes, uh, I had uh, uh, two aunts that both would be a hundred, Aunt Nancy and Aunt Olive. Um, and they kept uh, uh, phenomenal family records. I have, I have pretty much all of it. Um, it it's a really fascinating story. Um, and uh, it, they, they tracked everybody in the family religiously. Um, and uh, so we have a, in fact, there's a great photo in there um, uh, of the family probably I would guess in the 18, in the late 1850s, mm -hmm. um, in San Francisco, and um, there's uh, four girls and four boys, and and the parents, and they're they're in the full you know the traditional you know Victorian frock coat and all that, and yeah. and uh, well not Victorian yet but back in the day, yeah. and uh, 
so they, uh, but the, all the guys have really have the ascot, right? And they have a big gold nugget as a stick pin for the ascot. Okay. Um, there were four of them. Uh, the family retains three. I have one. That's amazing. Is there like a book coming out or something? I mean, I want to read it, put it this way. <laughs> it just, it's so cool. No, we, we, we kind of like to keep it in the family. Yeah. You know, maybe one day I'll, I'll get a bug about it, but uh, it, it's a really great story. Um, my uh, my grandparents um, on my father's side were in uh, had a ranch in Madeira, and they were in the raisin business for many 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 years. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, my father uh, my my parents were divorced when I was very very young, uh, and my uh, my father my father passed when I was I think thirty two or thirty three. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, with the proceeds, uh, when the ranch was sold, and then they moved to their uh, their summer home, and um, when they passed, I inherited the my sister and I inherited the proceeds, which is how I paid for college. And uh, of course, my glorious trip to Europe, where I fell in love with food and wine. I yes, I'm aware that in Germany you were drinking Mosel, and all, in Mosel you you were drinking all kinds of beautiful wines, and that was an eye-opening experience that kind of calibrated your mind in that direction. Is that, is that true? Oh, absolutely. You know, uh, uh, I mean, food, food, was, food was just energy, right? Yeah. Um, and lots of fresh fruits, lots of fresh fruits, that's the glory of California. But once I got there, I began to understand what, even the most simple foods in Europe um, were unique because many of the wines that we, that we know and love um, really were developed around the cuisine of the region. Mm -hmm. And uh, so uh, I kept sampling things and, you know, we kept adventuring the country by country by country by country and um, just became, uh, I just came by entranced by the whole thing. It was, it, was, it was truly marvelous, an incredible time. My cousin and I are like six months apart. You know, we grew up like brothers and uh, we had uh, a pretty incredible experience. And, and I came back home. Sorry. You know, to go to college, and I think they had to drag me home kicking and screaming, and I was having way too much fun. <laughs> now I'm picturing you like this wide-eyed young man that's experiencing something that's really quite formidable. I mean, it's life-changing when you realize that food and wine are so elevated together. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so very, very much so. This must have been such a powerful imprint, like I said, on your mind when you discovered that whole world, really. Um, that somehow you were pursuing later on. I mean, that was the first like huge introduction, correct? Absolutely. Um, uh, and then, uh, you know, it, and it, it stuck with me. And when um, when I when I went back to school, it was very funny. I was uh, one of the guys in my fraternity here behind me is a guy named George Faison, and he is a, a company called D'Artagnan, the famous foie gras people, um, and. Uh, yeah, and I, I caught up with George when, oh God, it was probably 15 years, 20 years ago. And we were, were laughing and telling, you know, stories about the old days. And uh, he says, hey, I, I remember you. You're the guy who was drinking Lafitte. <laughs> I go, yep, that was me. <laughs> everybody knew what that really meant. That's so instructive. Yeah, everybody, that, everybody else was drinking Rebel Yell. Rebel yeah. Yell, and I was drinking, I was drinking Lafitte, right? <laughs> yeah, you have good taste at a very tender age. But D'Artagnan, how about that? I discovered that outfit through Robert Parker, of course, through his Hedonist Gazette, and I've been ordering 
Mm -hmm. um, quite a bit of stuff from them over the years. Yeah, that's quite uh, that's quite uh, an important part of my life. So interesting. Um, so what were you studying in college? Um, journalism and communications um, was my major. And when I graduated in, um, of course, the famous Lee Journalism School um, founded by Robert E. Lee mm. when he, when he uh, following the, the Civil War, when he became uh, the president of, of Washington, what was then Washington University, named after no less his, uh, his great-grandfather-in-law, George Washington. Yeah. Um, it's the ninth oldest university in the nation. And I remain struck today, I mean, for all the things going on in the world today, you know, about uh, the Confederacy and all those things, um, I don't believe in recidivism, I believe in reformation. And when I, as an unpopular view it might be today, um, when I look what Robert E. Lee did, when he didn't have to, I mean, his Arlington was gone, you know, they took his entire home away, turned it into the National Cemetery. And he could have just, you know, faded away into the, in the you know, what did Douglas MacArthur say? Old soldiers never die, they just fade away. But instead he chose this small place in Lexington, Virginia, and proceeded to create what is today, you know, one of the top 20 universities in the nation. And Washington Lee named after him as well. Um, and, and the things that struck me about Lee, very much, and I, I read a number of his writings when I was there, was he implemented the, the honor code, which is used by many universities today, right, about a student responsibility. And then back in the day, we had the gentleman's code. <laughs> and uh, that was a very, very thoroughly uh, instructed to me. And uh, it, all those things struck with me. And, and, and then he stayed until he, you know, he, he died at the university. But the fact that he would take time to do that and, and to create the Lee Journalism School to create uh, you know, honest reporting, to create a philosophy, to, to create eth ethical, to address ethical issues in, in a time when the South was going through, uh, was being rebuilt. I, I think it's a great tribute to, to Lee as a man. And um, so I've, uh, uh, I had a great experience in my four years there. It was marvelous. Uh, I always remember showing up uh, my first day there. I've just come back. Everybody uh, is wearing the, the, the WNL uniform of, of Lacoste shirt, khaki pants and top sizes with no socks. And I'm standing in the line to get my dorm assignment. And I'm wearing uh, cut-off blue jeans, Farachi sandals, a hang ten shirt. My hair is down to my shoulders, and I have on a headband. And these, these guys are looking at me like I'm, you know, from outer space. And the guy, <laughs> one of the guys, he goes, he goes, uh, he goes um, excuse me, he goes, the cafeteria is over there. That's where the workers go. This, this is for students. Like, and I go, look at you. What are you, you're on the same club or something? Playing the same team? And I said, you know, uh, uh, he goes, are you going to school here? And I go, oh, yeah. He goes, where are you from? And I go, California. He goes, California. He looks back at me. He goes, he goes, let me tell you something, son. This here is General Lee's college. And I get myself to the barber shop if I was you. <laughs> Who else could General Lee? Who else could General Lee could get me to wear a coat and tie to class, right? <laughs> and get my hair cut. <laughs> That's so awesome. So. Yeah, it was a great, great four years experience. Um, and uh, um, I came back and interned at a radio station. I was a reporter um, during my internship my junior year. Um, great experience. And then I went back and I, I liked journalism, but I wasn't a transplant. So I decided to go to law school, um, which was my mother's great dream. Uh, God rest her soul. Uh, her, I, her last words 
right? Uh, and all the things that I did as a sommelier and all this, I don't think, I'd, I think when I first told her I was going to become a sommelier, she thought I had some sort of some disease I picked up in France, right? Because can it be treated? Can we go to the hospital? I go, no, no, mom, you don't understand. <laughs> and and her, her last two words, she grabs my arm and she looks at me and she goes, law school. <laughs> so, you know, uh, that, that's who she was. Uh, so I, I didn't finish my first year. I left about, oh, about halfway through um, because I just, I didn't have any love for it. Um, but during the summer times, uh, when I came back, I started working for uh, the sardine factory and it was called Restaurant Central. They had five restaurants at the time and two of the finest men I've ever met, uh, Ted Balistrieri and Bercatino, uh, who taught me the, the hospitality industry, um, instrumental in my life. They're my son's godfathers. And um, they, uh, I don't probably make a critical decision in my career unless I speak to them. That's how much I respect them. Um, two fine men. And every time I come back, they give me a different job. And I was a busboy one year. I worked in the office one year. I was a bar back. I was a waiter. <laughs> um, but, you know, it was, it was fascinating. And at the time, this, you know, the Meisler wasn't what it, what it is even today. And so uh, after I called them up and I said, you know, I'm not going to finish. They're like, good. We have a job for you. You're going to be assistant manager at one of our restaurants. <laughs> Um, so I ended up on our seafood, you know, large volume restaurant. It was an amazing experience to have when you're 21 years old, you know, and you, there's, a, there's a, you know, there's 90 employees and, you know, it's, you're doing seven, 800 covers a day, right in the water of Monterey Bay, real learning, real fast learning curve. Um, and then, um, uh, the, the, the general managership opened up, I guess I'd been there two years and they decided I was still too young. I wasn't seasoned enough yet. So, you know, being a young man, I got all prickly about it. And uh, there was a famous old restaurant in Carmel that was, uh, the owner was named The Little Family, and Bob Little was, uh, was my boss. Great man. And he goes, we, we got to make sure this was the Knights of the Vine. He goes, why don't you come take over Simpsons? We want to rebuild, we, we want to modernize it, bring back, you know, and, and build a great wine program. So I did. So the, uh, I, I got to tell you, the boys were not very happy about that. But I went over there and we did it, build, build, build a spectacular wine program. And, you know, I'd, you know, I'd still talk with them and all, everybody's friends. It's Monterey. It's a you know, small town. And uh, then I remember I got a call from uh, Ted Balistrieri one day. He goes, I'm going to take your lunch. And I go, are you paying? <laughs> and he laughs. He goes, yeah. So we go to lunch and he goes, I got something I want to show you. And I know they'd had a construction project going on at the sardine factory for about a year and a half. And he goes, we drive back to the restaurant. We walk down 14 feet down below to this incredible wine cellar. I mean, magnificent wine cellar, huge, all underground, 14 feet underground. And he goes, well, we built this so you come back. We want you to build us the greatest wine program in America. And I said, when do I start? And uh, so, you know, I, I stayed for a month in the transition. And uh, then I came back to Sardine Factory. And it was an amazing experience. Um, I mean, you, 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 you're 26, 27, 28 years old. And, you know, you, when I left, we had 3,200 wines on the list. Um, we specialized in pre-flocks or pre-1870 wines, pre-1875 wines. And it was an amazing time to be buying old wine because the English inheritance laws had changed. And so to keep the pile, you had to sell the contents. So all these incredible sellers like Glamis, some of the more famous ones, came on the marketplace. And, you know, you could buy things for a song that today would sell for, for phenomenal amounts of money. And, you know, we did it. And uh, it kept growing and growing and growing. Uh, and uh, so we won the Wine Spectator Grand Award every year I was there. And um, the one person I couldn't catch was Burns Steakhouse in Tampa, Florida, Burn Laxer. I, I love them. I used to go visit them. 
Japan. When it came to the, the awards, I always sneak up behind him. His wife, Gert, my looking at his ear, and I go, don't you die, old man, until I catch you. And he'd start laughing, and he'd go, oh, it must be the starting factor. And if I put on 200, he put on 400. If I put on 400, he put on 800. I could never catch him. <laughs> but it was a marvelous experience. I used to sit in the cell. I remember one time I was sitting there, and he was a night owl. So I, I'd wait, I'd take the last reservation, and then I'd catch him right, right about midnight. And we just sit down and talk wine for a couple hours. And uh, we're chatting, and he goes, let's drink something. I said, okay. He goes, what's the greatest Bordeaux you ever had? And I'm trying to think of something I know he doesn't have, right? <laughs> just so I can catch him. And I go, you know, I was in Bordeaux um, last year, and I was at the Cotters to Know, and we drank a, a bottle of 1923 Pratt Family Reserve. But, you know, that's reserved for the Chateau. He goes, ah. He goes, that's a legendary wine. I go, yes, it was. It was marvelous. And he goes, um, I want you to go down, go over two, go down three, look up three, Right, reach in the slot and pull it out. Twenty-three from your reserve. Crazy. <laughs> so we sat there and drank it. I'll never forget that. It was an absolutely amazing experience. And, and uh, uh, he, he was he had incredible stories um, and, and talked about passion about wine and, and about food. I mean, he was an amazing man. It's just like uh, the owners of the sardine factory. I mean, one was the chef, one ran the front, one ran the back. I learned so much, and um, you know, just just generally great human beings uh, as they are today still some of my best friends and, and of course my mentors of course and i just want to highlight something here because there's a lot to talk about in just what you shared i want to go back to the journalism piece um you know mm -hmm. journalists are really supposed to be the consciousness of a nation right being a media member I, I, I used to yeah i used to believe that Yes, um, it's, it's a sad state. Um, I mean, there's still people around the world, you know, specifically in Russia, for example, where people are risking their lives to honor their profession. Um, but unfortunately, in this country, those, this code of ethics, this mandate has been heavily compromised. You, of course, came from... Oh, I, 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 would, I, I, I wouldn't just lay it on the Russians. <laughs> That's probably you know, it. I, I, in the Russians. I, 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 would, I would probably rather read Pravda than the San Francisco Chronicle. Yeah. Now, it's, it makes me incredibly sad um, that such an honorable profession, um, you know, is just is mutated in many ways. Let's put it this way. Um, I think that there are voices like yours that lived it. You know, once upon a time when you were going to journalism school, even though you have not pursued this as a profession, but again, this core values, it's not just exclusive. Oh, absolutely. Um, uh, I mean, my, my, eth my, my ethics course at university was, you know, it, it was phenomenal. And, uh, you know, we had great, I mean, Roger Mudd was a graduate of Washington Lee. So, you know, we had a great, you know, private conversation for seniors with him and about, you know, what news journalism liked at the time and, you know, Walter Cronkite and, you know, all, all, all the great legends. Wow. Edward, Edward R. Murrow, all those. But those, th those days are gone today. And, I, and, I, and, and you know, what I, I watch, I can barely watch the national news anymore. In fact, my wife doesn't like me to do it because I yell at the TV. Um, but I mean, there, there's, it, it's not, it's not reporting as I, as I was taught it. No, it is not. It's all opinion based. Um, and mm -hmm. it, it breaks my heart. I hear you. I experience very similar emotions. And I think part of it is because 
somehow we're not honoring our own history. Yes, we're a young country, but we have a powerful history and that's not coming up a whole lot. All of a sudden we're rewriting it um, and let our opinions replace factual stuff. That's very, very important. Um, so your experience in your school, I think, is so important to think about as your over, overarching life story and why these two wonderful mentors saw things in you that they wanted to hold on to, they, they wanted to develop, they wanted to honor you. Um, those formative years when you spent in college learning those things that in some ways influenced who you are today, who you are throughout your oh, life experience. Without a doubt, without a doubt. Um, and, and you know, it's, it's uh, I, I don't regret any of it. It was, I had an incredible experience. Um, I mean, it was marvelous. I got to, I mean, I, I went to Europe, right? You know, I bought the Osbeast de Nui, you know, we bought at the Osbeast de Bon, we did, we did things that most people, you know, at that age would never imagine doing. And the great thing about, uh, about Ted and Bert was um, that they were all about talent. You know, the, that, that was, they, they were practicing diversity before I even knew what the word meant. Um, you know, we, it, it, we hired the first female sommelier. I, 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 I trained her, the first one. And we, we put her on full time. She was a cocktail waitress, but she was great at what she did. And they're like, we, we started training people. We started before the masters existed. We started the starting factory wine academy. And anybody from the company, from the restaurants could come. Dishwashers, whatever. And we, we teach them. And uh, the, the, the owners totally supported this. So like, the, the, let's, let's, we, we like to grow our people from the inside. Let's give them an opportunity. And the rest just didn't matter never has to them and uh that that's that that's always struck me as, as being incredibly uh especially in the world we live in today well, well i already lived it i saw it i practiced it you know so i, I have uh, it, it was an amazing experience um and then uh, when i wanted to take the master's exam i, I went to see um see him and i said you know i, I I read about the examination. I've applied. They, they said no. Then they said yes. You know, I, you get one shot. And I said, but I have to go to England and take it. And they're like, they look at me. I go, so you know. And I said, so. Basically, they said, well, that sounds that sounds really interesting. And they said, uh, we'll take care of it. <laughs> and and then and then I then I then I got the greatest. You know, and then when I got ready to go. I mean, I worked pretty hard. I worked really hard to be ready. And when I got go, I got the greatest going away speech. Remember, these are Sicilians, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> Whatever happens, we're proud of you. We're, we're proud of you to take this opportunity. But if you don't pass, don't come home. <laughs> nice. So I passed first. I there said no that. In my mind what I was, yeah, was going to do, no question. Oh that and you passed cool, all three on the first try, which is like Herculean feet. I mean, wow. So. You know, you're known in the industry first and foremost as a mentor, and it becomes very clear, like I've goosebumps right now, where the origin of that began. You were a mentor at a young age because you're a mentee as well. Yes, correct. Absolutely. Uh, I was taught the right way. And, you know, great, great tribute to, to Ted Balstray and Bergantino. Um, the, uh, in the master's exam, it was an amazing experience, um, and when I, I found I, I, I thought I tanked it. I tanked the theory because they just, they just it was it was, it was excruciating. Um, and then I'm, I'm sitting there um, in England, 
and they didn't have it in London that year. They had it in Torquay, way down on, 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 the, on, the, on the coast and by, by Dover, uh, because they felt there were too many distractions in London for, for, for candidates. They eventually moved it back. Um, but the, uh, it, I mean, just getting there was like this <laughs> trains, planes, you know, automobiles, you name it. Yeah. And as soon as this, this, this kind of decrepit old hotel down there where they're having the exam, I mean, it's, it's right out of Queen Victoria, right? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, th these were the old days. And, and, you know, I met some of the guys and they're, you know, like, well, why are you here? I'm here to take the match. And they're like, that's great. And you're American. Yeah. Good luck with that. Right. Mm. So, you know, it, 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 this, this is why we're Americans. You know, we get the shot, we take it. And uh, I remember I was sitting there um, after I'd finished the examination and I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm you know, having a beer with the boys, shooting the breeze. And some of the, there was MWs and MSs, Masters of Hawaiian, Masters of ways at the time, and their stuff, they like, oh, yeah, man, we saw your tasting. It was brilliant. And I go, oh, thank you. And they're like, so why don't you come have a glass of champagne with us? And I'm like, I'm with the boys. You know, I said, no, oh. they're like, and the guys with me, they're like, <laughs> so I, I didn't realize that was the rite of passage, right? Uh. So I, I went and sat with them, we had a great chat. And in those days, uh, they didn't give you results verbally like are done today. Mm. Um, they, they had, they put them on a card. I still have mine with your scores, right. which also have not done today. And, you know, but this back in the old hotel when everybody, every room had a mail slot. Yeah. And there'd be this card in there and all these, these all, all, all these, these guys would be sitting there, these gentlemen would be sitting there looking, looking at the, uh, terrified to take that card. Oh my God. <laughs> take that card, that card out. Uh, this, this was a, you know, a return, a return to faulty towers, right? And uh, <laughs> it, it was a marvelous experience. And um, they uh, uh, they call then eventually you know I get called in to, to to discuss my performance and I'm sitting there in this chair and here's the, here's the people that wrote the books that I've been reading right I've been studying I mean some of the great legends of the industry and and uh, we're sitting there and they're like we find ourselves in a quandary young man and I said uh, man I, this must have really been bad I must have really screwed this up yeah. they're like. We're pleased to inform you that, 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 that you have won the Crew Cup, right? You have passed first in exams. We have a couple of issues. First of all, the other person that passed this year um, is the first male master sommelier in history, Claudia Harris, great friend of mine. She's been retired for many years, wonderful lady, brilliant mind. She was a sommelier of the year in all England the year before. And they're like, it was a very, very close competition. I go, well, I said, what would you like me to do? Like, well, you know, it, it, it's going to be about how you handle yourself. <laughs> I'm like, okay, so tell me what you want to do. And, and uh, they said, so, and we have an issue with the crew cup because you won the crew cup. It was the first year of the crew cup. And that was the person that passed all three parts in one year with the highest aggregate score in case there were more than one. And um, I said, we have not informed the crew people that you're an American yet, you know? Oops. And uh, that's, yeah, oops. Uh, eventually I did go to crew and spend a week with the family. It was marvelous, incredible experience. And um, so uh, and then I got a call from, uh, I, I called the owners to tell them uh, about our success. And they're like, well, that's going to cost a lot of money, Fred. And I go, why? They said, we have to hire two planes now, one for you and one for your head. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like, okay, I get it. I get it. Like, and, and they gave me some great advice. And Ted looks at me, he goes, he goes, you know, you were just a kid before. You could say what you wanted, but now your words have impact, yeah. right? They can be helpful and they can be hurtful. So from now on, think, choose wisely. Think before you talk. Good advice. Yeah, Good we, all, advice. we all should 
take that to heart, by the way. Um, well, I, I, I didn't say I did it all the time, I said, but I did take the advice. Yeah. You know, your, your life experience just feels like a study of contrasts. So you're from this beautiful, extraordinarily charming place. If you guys haven't been to Pacific Grove, especially if you're in California, I don't know what's wrong with you. It's one of the, like, God had a really good day when he created that whole area, but Pacific Grove is just super charming. And of course, going to Europe and then, you know, working on this extraordinary, it's not really just a restaurant, it's an establishment. It's, it's like a foundational piece for, you know, California wine in many ways. Still, we'll talk about that. But at the same time, you work so hard. I mean, I just want you guys to realize, the, you know, and please tell us like the amount of work that it takes to prep for this exam, the daily grind at the restaurant. I mean, it's one of the most fast-paced, back-breaking, you know, grueling jobs. You know, the restaurant industry is not easy by any stretch of any imagination at any level, but particularly, you know, I think I read you were doing like 700 covers a night. You have to be so quick on your feet and at the same time, find time to study. How did that all work? Uh, I was really busy. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I lived in a, in a beautiful uh, a penthouse over the water, over the beach. Yeah. Myself and my roommate, who was, a, was an employee of EDS. Mm -hmm. And, uh, um, you know, we had, we had the hobby out in the front. You know, it was a, it was a great experience. Um, and, but you worked hard. You worked hard. And, um, you know, and especially with the management of the seller, I mean, not just, you know, working nights. The conclusion of this interview can be found in the next episode. Thanks again for tuning into the official podcast of Palette Exposure featuring Alona Thompson.